The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Come in, church. Let's take our Bibles, if we would, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We are on this little series here of the church. So we spoke the first week about the church being the people of God. And the last week we spoke about the Lord's work in the church. And this Sunday we want to deal with the church being the temple of the living God. We talked about the church being the people of God, the church being the body of Christ. And this Sunday we want to speak about the church being the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. In just a moment, I'll pray for us and we'll begin our service. I want to, uh, I want to make you aware of just a couple of things. First of all, uh, at the end of the service today, uh, after we have the invitation, we close in prayer, uh, we'll ask uh, for folks to file out the back. But myself and Melanie Chambers and several of our deacons will be down front here. And uh, if you're here today and you need prayer, uh, maybe you have a physical ailment or uh, you have something that's on your heart that's heavy, and you say, I, just, I, would, uh, I would really appreciate if somebody would pray with me, then we want to invite you to stay back and just come down front here. Let me remind everybody here, this is not a healing service. God is the only one that does those things. But this is an opportunity for brothers and sisters to pray for each other. And so uh, if you just feel like you're in need of some prayer, maybe some anxiety or some issues that are going on in your life or a loved one, uh, then we want to invite you to stay. Just come down front. We'll pair you off with somebody. And you know what? If nobody uh, desires to have prayer this morning or you know maybe nobody has anything on the heavy on their heart, then uh, the leadership, we're just going to take a few minutes after the church service and pray for the life of our church and pray for you anyway that God would bless you. So I want to invite you to make use out of that. It's not something we'll do every Sunday. But I was thinking that possibly maybe the last Sunday of each month would just be a great opportunity for us to have a time of corporate and community prayer together. Then I want to remind you that this evening at 5.30, uh, we have a, a sing time tonight where we're all just going to be, we're going to be in the fellowship hall tonight, uh, have a setup, we have hot chocolate, it'll be a little bit after that, but we're going to, uh, we're going to sing together. Uh, and uh, some songs that we all enjoy, but we're also going to intersperse them there uh, a few times of prayer and some opportunity to give testimony for what God has done in your heart and in your life and with your family. So it'll be a great time of singing, of praying, and of testifying about what God has done. So I want to encourage you to come be a part of that if you would. Would you join me now? First uh, Corinthians chapter number 3, just two small verses within the context of this greater chapter. Now read them for us. And then we will pray together. So verse number 16 reads this way. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that 
is what you are. Because it's only two verses. Let me just read that for you again. And if you would, just put your eyes on those, uh, on those verses. Verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Join me for a word of prayer, would you? Our Father, we thank You for the opportunity to worship together today to sing and give and pray and listen to Your Word. And as I listen to Brian speak to our children, Lord, I'm humbled in my own heart. Help me to kneel beneath Your Word. Give me strength to say what it says and to apply it to our lives Lord, I pray that every adult in this congregation would listen to the words that Pastor Brian spoke to our children, that when we come here, we come to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, to worship our Father, to be led by the Spirit of God, and all that we do is worship even when we listen. Lord, I pray that the people in this good congregation would even after this service today think more carefully when they come into the building on Sundays do I sit in a place that is appropriate for worship or do I sit in a place that lets me view other people and distances me from worship? Do I play on gadgets or do I think about Christ? Do I meditate upon what comes later today and the rest of the week or am I pleading with God to save sinners and to help me? Help that to be a part of our hearts today. We love You. We thank You. Please speak to us from Your Word. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the church is the temple of God. And here's how I'll divide the service today. Let me just take a few moments to walk down through these two verses with you and point out some things that I think would be helpful for you as you study the Bible. And then I'll make just a few observations, just four points from the text today. So look back, if you would, at verse number 16, and it begins this way. Do you not know? And that is a formula found in 1 Corinthians. In fact, ten separate times in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, this formula is used, do you not know? And then it is followed by an indisputable fact of the Christian faith. And so in this passage today, the indisputable fact that the Apostle Paul tells all of the congregation at, first, at Corinth and then all of believers everywhere in the church is that the church is the temple of the living God. Notice there he says, do you not know? And that is not singular, but that is plural. Yes, he is speaking to the individual into the Christian life, but he is also speaking to the entire congregation that as one congregation of God, Emmanuel Baptist Church is a part of of the temple of the living God. And so he says here, and then notice he says, that you are the temple of God. And you'll notice the repetition here of the word that. That you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you, and then of course at the end of verse number 17, that is what you are. And so those will be three of our major points today, but notice back in verse number 16. Do you not know that you are 
the temple of God. And when it speaks here of the temple of God, this goes all the way back into the Old Testament. It's first of all, speaking of the tabernacle where God had Moses build the tabernacle and His glory and His power would meet with the people. And then later on in Israel's history, they would build a temple where God's power and God's glory and God's presence would come to be with His people. And so this is referring to all of that. In fact, the word temple here goes all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 9 being spoken of the tabernacle. And then in the New Testament, John chapter 2 and verse number 19, Jesus makes reference to Himself that Christ is the temple of the living God. Again, in the passage we're dealing with today, the individual Christian and the church at large is the temple of the living God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 21, the church is the temple of the living God. And Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 5 teaches again that heaven is also a picture of the temple of God. And so when we read the word the temple of God in this passage, we understand that we're talking about the location and the place upon which God sends His presence and His power and His witness, if you would let me coin that phrase, with His people. Throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, God meets with His people in the temple. And we are the temple of God. And then notice what it says here, and that the Spirit of God That is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that the Spirit of God dwells or lives or abides in you. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter number uh, 1 and verse number 12 that the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would come and dwell with His people. And so the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence. He makes His home. He comes to abide in every individual believer and in the church at large. Verse number 17, notice now the transition from the plural you as a congregation into the singular person. Look what it says. If any man, that is any man, woman, boy, or girl, it is just a generic term to say, if any individual destroys the temple of God. God will destroy him. That's probably a strong translation. The word here is often used in the New Testament not so much for destroy as to completely annihilate, but to bring disorder, to mess up, to cause division in. And so it says here that if any individual causes division or disorder or chaos in God's temple, God will mess him up. In fact, these words are so close together that it might even be best to translate it this, God ruins the ruiner. It's probably the best way to look at that. God will ruin the ruiner. And then look what it says here. God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy. Often when you read the word holy in the New Testament, it has the concept of being separate, of being distinct, that over and other from the world. But in this context, it has the meaning here to be morally pure before God, to be good, to be holy, to be pure. And then look, it says, and this is what you are. That is what you are as the church of God. So let me make four points for you today and then we'll call it quits. Here's the first one. God has made us His temple. 
Now church, I I can't keep your attention this morning with a bunch of being bombastic and running all over the stage. I just want God's words to settle into your heart and I want you to see how important it is. Look back at what it says. Do you not know church, Corinth, Emmanuel, believers, every person in this room today that claims the name of Jesus? Do you not know that you're the temple of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says that every individual believer is the temple of God. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 16 says the same thing and along with Ephesians chapter number 2. In fact, the Bible says over and over and over again that the people of God are the place where God's presence dwells. This is a reference back to the Old Testament when they built the tabernacle. And do you know that even when Moses got the instructions from God of how to build the tabernacle, God sent him two guys that the Bible says, and not by coincidence, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they built the tabernacle according, not to their own design, not to their own way, not what they wanted to do, but according to the design of God, they built the Old Testament tabernacle. And now here's my question for us. When we study the Old Testament and some of you fall asleep reading through all those passages of how they built the tabernacle and how much gold was on this and how much silver was on that and how many beautiful blankets were thrown over the tabernacle and you read all of these chapters about how much time they took to build the tabernacle of God physically. How much time do you take to build the tabernacle of God spiritually for Him to dwell in. Are you building your life and your heart and your soul according to God's design and God's plan and what He wants to do? Or are you doing your own thing in life? How much time this week did you take to prepare your heart and life to be filled with the Spirit of God? Did you spend time this week looking and longing and meditating in your life about where you have sin and problems and things that need to be swept out of your life? Did you spend time preparing your life to receive the presence of the Holy Spirit or were you too busy to do that? Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that God says that we are His temple. Do you take that seriously in your life? And do we take that seriously as the church of God at Emmanuel Baptist Church? I just want to leave that in your lap today. I want you to think about that. What are you doing with your life? Do you have sin and wickedness that is plaguing your life Or are you actively seeking to drive that out and to prepare your life to be ready for the presence of the living God? If all of those people in the Old Testament in Israel, if they spent so much time preparing for God's glory and power and presence to come into the tabernacle where only the high priest could go in once a year into the Holy of Holies and he is the only one that could see God's presence and you come to the New Testament and when Jesus dies on the cross, the veil of the temple is rent in two from top to bottom and now we can boldly come into the presence of a living God and 
God makes His abode and His home and His tabernacle in the human heart of believers, how much time are you taking to work on your life? I'm going to make a second point for us today. Look back down at the text. Not only are we, and not only does God make us His temple, but here's the most important point of the day. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. All week long, I've been thinking about that and just kind of meditating and and, and praying through that. Hey, hear me just for a second. If you're a believer in this room today, God lives in you. Is that true? Talk to me. Is that true according to that verse and that the Spirit of God dwells, lives in you? What about if I, I started doing some running this down throughout the Bible and I, and I found some Scriptures. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 But do you know the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10 that the Son of God lives in us. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.16 that both the Son and the Father dwell, live in believers. The Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, yes, they are everywhere present. Yes, they own the stars. Yes, they take care of the nations. But God lives in me. He lives in you. Did you act like that this week? Did you let the weight of that rest on your soul this week that everywhere you went and everything you saw and all that you did and all that you said, God was living in you while you did all of that? I was reading down through those verses and I'll leave this out here. I, I found 49 references. It didn't take me long. I'll, I'll put this down on the table after service. But I, I just was marking through this. 49 references in the Bible to the Spirit of God living. To, listen to some of these verses. Isn't this great? Exodus 35, 31. And He has filled Him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all craftsmanship. Exodus 35, 31. Isaiah 59, 21. Listen to this. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My Spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. What about Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 2? The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength. The Spirit of knowledge that man brings about the fear of the Lord. Ezekiel 36.27 What about this? I will put My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes and you will be careful to observe all of My ordinances. How about one more? 2 Timothy 1.14 Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. As I was thinking about this week, how how to distill all of that down, that God lives in us by way of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We say, here's what I I was riding around, and I just got to think, okay, what does that mean? How is my life different today? 
with the truth that God is living in me? Does that affect any way that I live? Let me ask you this. As a believer now, is, can you, are, are you experiencing a life that is drastically different than the life you had before God lived in you? What is different about you now? How does that truth that God abides within you change how you live? Change how you interact with each other. Change how you work your job. Change how you deal with your children and your grandchildren and your spouse and your friends. Change how you go through suffering. Change how you deal with your school life. Hey, I'm just kind of this family day today, okay? I'm working through that as well. I'm just asking you to think through that difficult concept and you work through that. Is the fact that God lives in you, does that change anything about the way you live the last week or will live this coming week? Because I think the Bible would teach us that if it hasn't, it should. Here's a few thoughts that I pulled out about that. First of all, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit has an effect on the fruit of salvation in our life. When God comes to live within a human being, He is the one that brings us assurance of salvation. And so if you're in here today and you say, I'm not sure if I'm a believer, I don't know. Now let me tell you this, people who are walking with God and He is in their life and they are learning and living and walking with Him, they grow in assurance. Notice I said they didn't have a 100% certainty all the time, but they are growing in the assurance of their salvation because God is in them. And if you don't have that kind of assurance in your heart, it might be because God is not inside of you. Not only the fruit of salvation, but God living in us gives us strength for life and wisdom and power in ministry. Is there anything that you're doing in your life to minister for the Lord that you could not do without God's power that's in you? Just think about that this week. God the Holy Spirit lives in us. Let me make a third point quickly. God will mess you up if you mess with His temple. Earlier this week, I was, I was dabbling back and forth. I almost said God will jack you up if you mess with His people. But look... That's really what that text is saying here. God ruins the ruiner. God goes after those people who are destroying the temple of God, His people, His church. Say, so Steve, what are the kind of things that destroy and ruin and bring disorder to the people of God, the church? Gossip? Complaining? An unforgiving spirit? Selfishness? If you have those kinds of things operating in your life habitually, I want you to understand that you're causing damage not only to your life, but apart you're causing damage to the church of God. And so if you're the kind of person that's constantly talking about other people and constantly talking about leadership and constantly burning people's ears up on the phone, you're sinning against the living God of heaven and He will destroy you. 
If you're the kind of person that complains all the time, and I'm not talking about just a kind word to say, man, it's a little warm in the sanctuary today. You think maybe next week we can you know, knock it down just a little bit? That's not a problem. Or, hey, you know, this is going on. Or, you know, somebody, hey, this, this needs a little bit of fixing. Hey, everybody's got to be real. Everybody needs to have a little say. But can I say something? If you're the kind of person that's just down in the mouth and Eeyore all the time, and all that you've got to say is a word of complaining, you're, you're, you're ruining and destroying and coming against the order and the unity that God wants with His people. If you're the kind of person in this room today, and you say, I'm a believer and I'm a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, but you're harboring bitterness in your heart against somebody else, another brother or sister, God's going to ruin your life. And say, Pastor, I, we had a, I had one of our uh, I had one of our youth talk to me the other week, and we we're talking about uh, parts of the character of God, and it was a great step in her life, and uh, she got it, she understood it. Brothers and sisters, we talk about the love of God and the joy of God and the mercy of God and how kind He is, but don't forget that there is also a just part of God, and there is a part of God where He is angry at sin, and there's a part of God that if we don't bow our hearts, submit to Him, and get the sin out of of our life that God will be angry. And nobody wants to talk about that part of God, but it's the right part of God. And what you can be assured of God is when God is angry, it's always just. And it is always even filled with mercy. And God gives people time after time after time after time and the Lord Jesus understands that there are many in this room and around this world and around this city who Christians who have been done wrong and hurt and beat up. And God is not expecting you just to throw your heart out there on the ground to be trampled again, but He does want you to come to Christ. He does want you to accept His forgiveness, and He does want you to grant forgiveness to other people. The old uh, scholar Origen, early church father, I enjoy reading behind him, he said... When resentment enters the church, love leaves. When resentment enters the church, love leaves. I'm just reading the text to you. I didn't make anything up, right? Did you, hey, everybody shake your head like this if you see it. Look back down because I don't want you to leave here today and say, man, Pastor Steve pulled something out. Look back down in verse number 17. If any individual destroys or brings disorder or messes up that is the temple of God, His church, His people. God will destroy, ruin, mess up, cause problem in their life. I've been, uh, I've been at this thing just a little while. Not the longest, i got a long time to go, but I've been at it just a little bit. And I just want you to know, I've been working in church life long enough and with believers long enough that I have seen at times when people who named the name of Jesus caused division and disorder and had unforgiveness and had gossip and had all of these things and they were hurting the body of Christ. I've lived long enough to see God take that back out on that person. And I've never said a word. I pray for, I love, I live with, 
And I, I, I don't make any categorical statements because I don't have any ground to do that. I can't point to this or that and say that's because of this. I don't ever do that because God doesn't give me ground to do that. But what the Scripture does say is that God takes the unity of His people so seriously. God takes the joy and the power and the goodness and the testimony of His temple so seriously that... He's willing to cause disorder in an individual's life who would hurt that. Number four, God's temple is holy. Why? Why? Look back at the verse. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. Why? Why would God do that? For the temple of God is holy. God's people, God's church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, we are to be a holy people. We are to be a righteous people. In our individual and in our corporate lives, we are to seek to live godly kind of lives. The church is supposed to be holy and pure before Him all the days of our lives. And I want to tell you that whether you're a member or a visitor, whether you're saved or lost in just a moment, I want to get to the good news of the Gospel for you because I want you to know that Jesus is the answer and the solution to all of our unrighteousness and to all of our failures and to all of our sins. But I want to say, first of all, to every believer in this room, seek to live a holy life. Seek to live righteously. Don't let sin creep into your heart. Don't You know when it's there. Seek and go to God and confess that to Him and push it out of your life and seek to live the kind of life that Christ wants you to live. He wants you to be holy. Amen? And I know this is hard sermon. And I know that text is not easy. And if you come every single week, you'll hear that the, the message of the Scripture is not always judgment. The message of the Scripture is that Jesus died to bear our judgment for us. And if we come to Him, that there's righteousness in Jesus Christ. But don't ever leave thinking that somehow we just take Jesus what we want and then we live our own lives. We take Christ and we bow before Him and we say the life that He wants us to live, that's the life that we must live. Please understand my heart. I love you. We must be holy people. I wasn't sure if I was going to use this as an illustration, but since I'm already neck, neck deep in, I might as well just give this one. Hey, let me tell you what this means and how this lives out practically as a believer and as a church. So next Sunday, there is a big game, isn't there? Well, we're going to have a Super Bowl party at our house. We have the young adults over there pretty much most Sunday nights. We're going to have a Super Bowl party. We're going to have a good time. It's not going to be a four-hour Bible study on the book of Leviticus. All right, We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to have fellowship, laugh. I'm sure some of the ladies will be playing games. Some of the guys will be watching the game. Some of the girls will be watching the game. We'll have a great time. But I want to explain something to you. And some of my young adults, you might need to make other arrangements. I hope you won't. But I want you to know right now, we will not be watching the halftime show in the Tillis household next Sunday night. We're just not. Okay? I'm not a legalist. <laughs> I don't beat people over the head. I'm not telling you what you need to do for your life. 
But I'm just saying that I don't think that I can watch with Jesus indwelling inside of me. I don't believe that I can rightly watch Lady Gaga on the halftime show. Now listen, now listen. Hey, I know i got some few amens in here, but there's a lot of folks in this room. Hey, you hear me clearly. I know some of you are struggling through that and thinking through that and walking through that. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, that's an instance where in my individual life with God living in me, I want to be careful, especially with my wife and my house and being a husband that wants to honor his wife. I'm just not sure that watching that kind of, that kind of stuff and letting that go into my mind, I'm just not sure that's healthy. And that that's Christ honoring. And that that's going to fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me long for my wife more. I'm not sure that that's the right way to go. In fact, I'm pretty confident, and at least in my own heart, that's not right. And I believe for us as a congregation, at least as a small group, a part of our church, I want to model that so that the church understands that we are the temple of God. You say, Steve, that makes us different. Yes. Yes. And it's okay to be different. I'm not being telling you to be some sort of weirdo down on the corner somewhere with a bullhorn. But I am saying that if you're going to name the name of Jesus and you're going to be a part of the temple of God, the temple of God is holy before the Lord of heaven. And so as a group, we're going to shut it off for 15 minutes and chat or turn the channel and we're going to figure something out. And you know what? If my brothers and sisters... The largest cross you bear in your life. The heavy weight of the lashes of Christ. If being with the Apostle Paul deep within the Mamertine prisons of shame, it means that on Monday morning your friends are talking about what happened in the halftime show and you don't know, I will pray that God will give you the grace to make it through. Amen? Glory to God. I believe that if you suffer for Jesus... By not knowing what happens at the halftime show, he, he'll be okay. God will help you through it. Amen? Please understand I'm being facetious there. I can't make that call for everybody. I can just tell you that we are the church of God and we are to be different. Would you walk back down through those verses one more time with me and just note those four points as I read them to you again. This is what we are as a church. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone destroys that temple, God will destroy him. Why? For the temple of God is holy. And brothers and sisters, that's what we are. I want to just bring this to your attention and we'll be finished. And Jesus refers to Himself in the New Testament as the temple of God. And in fact, one day, Jesus comes out from there in Jerusalem. And it had, taken the, it had taken the Israelites some 40 to 60 years to build the temple. And they thought that it was a beautiful building. And Jesus walks outside of the city with His buddies one day. And all of those who are around, and the Pharisees, and He says to them, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it up again. And they were aghast at what He said. You know why? And he was thinking in their mind, it took 40, 40 to 60 years to build this beautiful temple. But what Jesus was talking about was 
the temple of His body, who He was. And Jesus was destroyed at the cross. They did take His life. They did take Him away. But in three days later, Jesus rose from the grave alive, flesh and bone with victory over death, hell, and the grave. He is the living temple of God forever and ever. Amen. And the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter that we are the living stones within the temple of Christ. And you may be here today and say, man, there's some, so much sin in my life, I don't know how to get right. You might be a believer in here today and say, man, I know you're right. I feel that heavy weight of judgment. I tell you today, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and He rose again. The fallen condition focus in this passage is that all of the people in this room, including yours truly, are prone to failure, prone to disunity, prone to disorder, but Jesus will make it all right if we come to Him. Humble yourself and come to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins, who rose again. And if you put all of your faith and confidence in Him, He'll wash your sin away and He will enable us as a body of Christ to live all of our days for Him. Amen. That's good news for those who are thirsty. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to know today that Jesus is good and that He loves you. No matter who you are, where you come from, right where you are, if you'll talk to Him, He'll meet you right there, I promise you. If you have a sincere and a humble heart, and you cry out to Him, He'll save you. Jesus longs to save you. But you've got to give up you got to stop going your own way. And you got to turn to Him and give Him your life. You can do that right where you are. To every believer in this room, I want you to feel the weight of that passage, but I want you to feel the weight of Christ's mercy. We are to live holy lives. We are to live unified lives. We are God's temple. We are the place where His presence meets. There are times where people say to me who are visiting, they'll say, there's something different there. I just I sense something there. It just feels a little different than places I've been before. I want you to know it's because God is here. This is His place. This is His people. And our hearts must be pure. We've got to drive out the sin. We've got to come to Christ and plead for the Holy Spirit to indwell His people. And we must be like that every day of our life, every week of our life. Let us do our part as Emmanuel Baptist Church to be God's temple in the world. Loving each other. Loving Him. Would you stand with us this morning? Let's sing together. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.